to the Van Life Pantry Nomadic Pantry Podcast, where we talk all things food, cooking, kitchen, and pantry storage for vehicle nomads. This is the long-awaited episode 8. I have taken a month off, and it was unexpected and unplanned, but my mother passed away unexpectedly on Mother's Day, and it was due to an aneurysm. It was very quick and sudden, unexpected shock for all of us. So I have spent the last month um, just getting past that as much as possible and um, ready to jump back in here and move forward. Though, of course, having joined the club, no one ever wants to join. I will continue to go through that grieving process for some time to come. Anyway, um, I want to apologize for having been suddenly absent and missing when I've just been trying to get my podcast launched and become a regular weekly podcast. So I hope to continue that now and get back into that. I am now going to discuss the fact that it is summer, almost officially summer, and it is full travel summer camping season. So for those of you who are not already full-time, it is time for so many others who are not full-time to begin the annual vacation season adventures. I've had some sound issues and I hope to have those rectified. I will verify that they sound on this particular podcast is decent before I publish. Uh, It is a little echoey because I am in my studio space, but we have made that pivot, uh, one piece of it anyway, that we have been working on and we have sold home base and it is mostly empty and we are going to be packing the rest up and moving to a new home base in just a couple of weeks. And I may or may not be full-timing in my camper van for a time while we transition. And um, after that, it'll be at least half time, probably for a few years. That's the plan. So it's been very busy. Um, as, As a friend of mine used to say, I've been busy making it happen out there. And that is really what has been going on, making it happen. So many things have been happening all at once. It is difficult to keep up. So um, time to discuss what I carry. What inventory do I have for my kitchen? Not the food part, but the utensils and the gadgets and the tools, because the food is only one piece of your pantry setup. It is only one piece of food preparation and eating. And the other very big piece of it is what do you carry around with you to prepare the food, open the food, cut, chop, blend, all of that. Um, So I'm going to discuss first what I do carry with me. And it is an ever-evolving list. The storage method is ever-evolving. 
but for now I have a 17 gallon which is a 64 liter bin plastic tub with a lid uh, it measures 16 inches I'm sorry 26 inches long by 18 inches wide by 12 inches tall and I have quite a bit of storage space in my van because of the way we have built out the storage area my storage area is 16 inches high by 60 inches wide by 70 inches long so I can fit four of these bins and two or three smaller bins tucked in there and in addition to that next to those things I have my tent my chairs the aluminum camp table that folds out I have two of those one holds the stove when I am cooking and the other one holds all of my utensils that I am cooking with so um, all of those things fit in that storage space one of the things that people who travel in any kind of camper conveyance know unless you are in a class A really super duper motorhome or fifth wheel with all of the storage space and all the conveniences of home if you don't have one of those one of the things that we all know is that it is a daily game of Tetris and it is important to know where you want to keep your things and to try to always put the things in exactly the same spot because you get to know where things are and it really cuts down on digging around or losing things I went on a trip recently and I misplaced my plastic trash bags for about seven hours and I normally put them in one specific spot and I had not put them there it turns out that I had put them in the little cubby bin between the two front seats and I didn't realize that I had put it all the way up there and I had to tear the whole van apart to try to find the plastic trash bags so it is very important to know exactly what you have and know exactly where it is so in this bin in no particular order I am just going to give you a rundown of what I have and for people with a larger class A or a larger van or a high top with a lot of cupboard storage space this may not sound like even enough materials to be carrying and for people who are doing smaller van and SUV and especially Prius camping um, you may think that I am completely overboard and that I have way too many things so it is a full gamut and depending on where you are in that size range and what kinds of things you want to prepare you may or may not benefit from this list and you may have things to add or things to subtract so first of all I have a cast iron griddle pan and I got that from my mother uh, we always use cast iron and I it's the one that she always made pancakes on for us on Saturday mornings and so I have added that recently to my carrying list because I did have a cast iron skillet I did not have previously a griddle pan in my van but now I have added that so cast iron griddle pan I have a relatively large stainless steel saucepan 
skillet. It's actually a skillet, but it's a deep skillet. So it could be sauce or, or skillet. I have a small stainless steel skillet. I have a smaller cast iron skillet. And I have one, I think it's one quart, might be two quart saucepan. I do not have a lid for that one. I need to have a lid and I do not know where the lid has gone. So getting a lid is on my list. I have chip clips for holding bags closed or for weighting down a tablecloth. Sometimes you have a table and you want to put a tablecloth on and it's windy or something. And these have a little bit of heavier magnet in them and they can weight down the corners of a tablecloth. I have a 12 volt travel coffee maker. The other thing that I use to make coffee is nothing because I a lot of the time use instant. And thirdly, I do have a pour over coffee maker. So that's super simple. But this little 12 volt um, was something, again, my mom gave me and I am just recently adding it to the list of things that I carry. It's pretty cute. It actually comes with all of the things tucked inside. It has two little cups. It has its filter. It has its water reservoir. And um, you don't need to use paper filters because it thankfully has its own. I have a water canteen just in case I want to take off on a hike and I can fill that and travel with it. I have a teapot, stainless steel teapot. I have some paper plates and some plastic plate holders. Now I know those are wasteful and they are not reusable, but sometimes you do want something paper and just easy throw away. Maybe you don't have the ability at the moment to do any dishwashing. Um, and I'm not going to cover dishwashing at this point, but a lot of times people will use a spray bottle with some sort of cleaning solution, vinegar or otherwise, and you, they spritz the, the plates and dishes and wash them that way. It's a great way to do it, and it doesn't take much water because you just use a little bit out of a bottled water to rinse with. So I'm not going to cover that any further, but um, that is a good way to go if people want to do that. I have two pot holders. I have a 5x7 tarp in case I want to hang it up as an awning or if I want to use it as a tablecloth. It's multi-versatile. It's a nylon, not a plastic, so um, it's very versatile. I have a camping mess kit, and that is because if I do want to stop somewhere and go on that hike, I can take my canteen, my camping mess kit, and I don't need all of this other stuff. I can just take a little backpack and move into the smaller version of things. It is one that screws down all together, all the parts fit together, and when you open it up, the top closure becomes the handle to make a little aluminum skillet on one pan. There is another pan that can be used like a pie tin. There is another nesting pot with its own lid, and inside that nesting pot there is a tiny little aluminum cup. So um, those come in handy, especially in a basic regular camping situation. I also have collapsible measuring cups. And measuring cups, dry measuring cups, are different than liquid measuring cup. And some people don't care. 
it's not maybe enough difference to make it a huge thing, especially in a camping or traveling situation. Um, it's a bigger thing if you're baking, and uh, there's not a lot of baking on the road, except in the Omnia oven, which I have recently finally broken down and purchased, and um, we will see how that works. I haven't used mine yet. Anyway, um, the measuring cups are one quarter, one third, one half, and one cup. And they are that nifty silicone collapsible material that has become popular lately and is so really popular with Nomads because everything folds flat and these store nice and flat and I can tuck them in this bin anywhere amid all of these other things. I have three small hand towels and there went the aluminum mess kit. I have two washcloths and then we can get to the utensils. Well, a liquid measuring cup, a small two cup liquid measuring cup. And it's an oval shape so that it is almost flatter than the normal round ones. There is a spoon fork knife, it's one item. It is Light My Fire brand. And the only thing I don't like about these is that the knife is made onto one tine of the fork. And that cuts your lip if you are really using the fork. Um, so you have to be very careful and not really close your mouth around the fork if you're using the fork. Um, that makes this not my favorite item, but I do have it, again, in case I need to pop something into a backpack and I'm just on a little day hike. I have a cherry pitter which is, I think, very decadent for travel. <laughs> Who needs a cherry pitter even in normal life, but especially when you're traveling? Um, but it's, it's, it's the season to be eating cherries and other fruits, and uh, this can come in very handy for cherries and for grapes um, if you like to take the center out of your grapes. I know some people who are very picky and they do buy seeded grapes and they like to get those seeds out. Um, I have metal straws. I have two. One can fit boba-sized uh, tapioca pearls and the other one is just regular sized. Again, maybe a little too decadent to have two metal straws, but um, the size difference makes that really um, a good idea. I have a grapefruit spoon. And it's a regular spoon, except the tip is serrated. Not enough that it would cut your lips like the Light My Fire fork will, um, but just the tip. And that helps you cut through citrus. So this spoon is actually very good if you are cutting a lemon away from the peel, which I do a lot of because I do a lot of hot lemon water. I like to squeeze a lemon and I like to get the pulp out with this spoon and put the pulp in my hot water and the lemon juice in my hot water with fresh ginger and honey. Really good breakfast hot drink, um, especially if you really are not a caffeine junkie, which I am not, and I don't always drink coffee in the morning. Sometimes I do the lemon at night. Anyway, this spoon is great for lemon, grapefruit, any citrus, that you are trying to break away from its shell or even from all of that um, citrus connective tissue that connects all the little pieces inside there. I have two spatulas. I have a small one 
and I have a larger. Um, I tend to use both all the time, so those are important to me. I have a measuring spoon set and a small strainer that strains my juice pulp and a can strainer that sits on the top of any kind of can that you buy with, you know, canned vegetables or canned meats, tuna, those sorts of things. This fits on the can after you open it and helps you strain the can of the liquid inside without the contents coming out. Um, it doesn't sound like something that's very useful in a normal home kitchen, but it becomes very useful in a camp situation when you don't have a sink handy and you don't have all of the normal comforts of the home environment. There is a silicone scraper, a large serving spoon, and a small serving spoon, a set of six little Dimitas spoons, because spoons are spoons. And for eating, you can use a Dimitas spoon almost just as well as you can any other, unless you're having soup, in which case you might want a normal-sized spoon or a soup spoon. But I love the Demitas spoons because they're very versatile, they're easy to wash, they're tiny, they're easy to fit and carry just about anywhere, including in your pocket. Um, I have my set of three Pampered Chef paring knives. Um, one stays at home base and two go in this bin. One of them can be taken in a backpack on that day hike I was talking about and one can stay in the bin at all times. There is a can opener and a bottle opener, a citrus zester. And again, this is because I do a lot of juicing and hot juicing. And um, the fresh zest of citrus is really good to drink with your hot drink. It adds to flavor, but it also adds vitamin C and other nutrient content for you. Really good thing to have. Now, again, some people might say, yeah, that takes up space. There's no reason to have it. But I have the space, and I think it's an important item to have. I also have a carrot potato peeler. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm ambidextrous, but I really would like someone to make a left-handed potato peeler because sometimes you just want to switch hands. And this does not work with the left hand. So if anyone knows of a left-handed potato peeler, you just let me know, because I'd be on the lookout. I'll be hoping to find one. I have a potato brush that can be used for potatoes or for dishes. Now, I do not recommend that you do both. Either you have a dish brush that cleans dishes and even fingernails, <laughs> fingernail brush works great, or you have a brush that cleans your food, but they should be separate brushes. You should not be using the same brush to clean things that you use to wash your uh, dirt off your potatoes and carrots and other food that needs scrubbing. Um, so that is all that I have in that bin at this time. I'm leaving some space because what else is going to go in that bin are first aid supplies and regular camping tools. Um, the, the shovel and the axe and um, the fire starter, the ferro rod, um, various other camping utensils that are not specifically necessarily related to cooking. So that may or may not look 
anything like the list of things that you carry, but at least that gives you an idea of some basic items that you might want to carry in your cooking portion and utensil portion of your pantry. So next we're going to move on to discuss the Omnia oven. Now it really isn't an oven as you would normally think of an oven and a lot of nomads who are um, well researched already know what an Omnia oven is or at least what a stovetop oven is and I did the earlier um, experiments with my saucepan or my skillet my deep skillet and using a water bath method to basically steam certain baked items and it worked really well I really liked that and I will do that again especially for chocolate cake because that chocolate cake was really good but I wanted to do the Omnia oven because it does give some more versatility to things that might be more casserole like and um, so I'm just going to read from a little bit from the booklet that comes with the Omnia oven, just in case someone out there is on the fence and isn't um, knowledgeable about what this is. So the Omnia oven allows you to heat, bake, and cook on your stovetop. You can bake almost anything that can be cooked in a conventional oven in your Omnia. So you can use your own recipes or this booklet has a few, a very few. <laughs> and then of course, everybody online um, that has an Omnia oven, I'm sure, has shared recipes. And if I'm going to mention again, Stu and Edie Beans at Little House of Beans, they have a YouTube channel um, and I believe now a Facebook group that is specifically completely dedicated to Omnia oven cooking. So um, you can check them out and get all kinds of great ideas. In fact, Edie, you are supposed to be trying out chocolate chip cookie for me, whether it's in bar form or bunt cake form or whatever, but chocolate chip cookie. And I haven't seen it yet, so I'm calling you out. I want to see the chocolate chip cookie. And now I'm going to try it too, but I want to see what you come up with. So um, anyway, onward. The Omnia has three parts. There is the bowl-shaped base, and that is made of stainless steel. The pan, which fits onto the upper edge of that base, and then on top of that is the lid with ventilation holes. Um, the parts have to always be used all three together and the stainless steel base can be used on all heat sources but cannot be used on induction cooktops. This is one good reason why I do not want nor have I ever even considered purchasing an induction cooktop because you have to have very specific equipment and um, I don't want to be that limited. Some people really like theirs and that's great, but I am not going to do induction. So if you do have induction, this will not work for you. When used for baking, the Omnia pan should be greased and dusted with some sort of crumbs or flour. You can also get um, a silicone insert, which I think Stu and Edie always use the silicone insert. At least it seems like they always do. And or you can get um, a little wire rack that goes inside and you can cook bread items on the wire rack. My attempt is going to be with frozen pizza. I'm going to do an experiment and see how well frozen pizza comes out on the little wire rack. And the rack and the um, silicone 
insert do not come with this Omnia oven. So those are separate purchases. Now, it's going to be an outlay of a little over $100 if you're going to buy the oven and the insert and the wire rack, um, which for some people may sound a little much, um, maybe too much. But if you consider that, especially if you're full-timing, um, this is an investment item and is going to last you probably several years. And if you amortize that over those number of years and the number of uses that you're going to get out of it, um, the per use cost comes down greatly. So yes, it's an initial outlay um, and maybe you have to save up for that. But um, I think it's a good thing if you want to try baking things and you haven't been able to do baking because that is one of the things that people seem to miss when they go on the road and don't have an oven. You sometimes want a baked potato or any any other kind of baked goods. Um, the only drawback is that if you have to bake it for longer, you're using fuel and you're using more fuel than you might if you were just going to cook something more quickly on your stovetop. So you also have to weigh whether you wanna spend the cost of fuel to use these. Um, but I think for the most part, butane and propane stoves at least are very economical, and um, I think that makes this worth doing. So that explains to you the basics of the Omnia oven, and I will probably do a later podcast that talks about my use of the Omnia oven when I have tried um, <laughs> the cookies and the pizza that I want to first try, and then um, who knows what else. The sky's the limit after that. Okay, so now we are going to move on to the food for thought segment of <laughs> this podcast. Um, I mentioned some time back that I was going to do some readings from old cookbooks, and I have now received an old cookbook. It is um, in the public domain, and it is a family cookbook from the late 1800s. And I'm just going to read a couple of segments. So first, I wanted to read the paragraph about how to choose eggs because um, I already did an egg podcast and I did a half hour about <laughs> eggs. And I thought this was a very interesting little piece to share. So how to choose eggs. In putting the hands round the egg and presenting to the light the end which is not covered, it should be transparent. If you can detect tiny spots, it is not newly laid, but may be very good for all ordinary purposes except soft boiling. If you see a large spot near the shell, it is bad and should not be used on any account. The white of the newly laid egg boiled soft is like milk. That of an egg a day old is like rice boiled in milk. And that of an old egg is compact, tough, and difficult to digest. A cook ought not to give eggs two or three days old to people who really care for fresh eggs, under the delusion that they will not find any difference. For an amateur will find it out in a moment, not only by the appearance, but also by the taste. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was really interesting. That actually was something that I hadn't discussed or even learned when I was researching for my egg podcast. The difference in the soft, viscous white section of the egg actually is different, has a different cooking texture based on the age of the egg. 
And if you realize that many of the eggs that you find in supermarket shelves are at least weeks old by the time you get them, um, that's an interesting thought because you're going to be getting the ones that are tougher when they are cooked. And you wouldn't even know because if you've been eating supermarket eggs for the last 30 or 40 or 50 years or all of your life if you're younger than that, um, you may have never had a fresh farm egg and you wouldn't even know the difference. So I thought that was fun. Next, we're going to talk about how to make green tea. To make green tea, have ready a kettle of water boiling fast, pour some into the teapot, let it remain for a few moments, then throw it out. Measure a teaspoonful of tea for each two persons, put it in the pot, pour on it about a gill of boiling water, cover it close for five minutes, then fill it up. Have a covered pitcher of boiling water with it. When two cups are poured from it, fill it up. You will thus keep the strength good and equal. If the company is large, it is best to have some of the tea drawn in the covered pitcher and replenish the teapot or urn when it is exhausted. Okay, I'm exhausted from that explanation. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but that will never ever be happening anywhere that I am because well, okay, so first of all, the boiling the water and putting it in there and then throwing it out, that is simply to warm that vessel. And I have done that in the past. Um, pour a little bit of the hot water in, swish it around, toss it out, because that pre-warms your vessel. Um, but, you know, when you're nomading and when you're here and there and everywhere and you're using a, a, a small jet boil or a 12-volt kettle, uh, there are 12 volt kettles that take 16 minutes, and that's the fastest, um, to bring your water to a boil. And that's usually um, just about an 8 to 12 ounce uh, amount of water. You're not going to waste any of that. You are not going to put any of it in your vessel and swish it around and throw any of it out because it is way too precious a commodity. So um, the other parts about having two pitchers and pouring one to the other and making sure that um, the consistency and the strength of the tea is the same throughout and mm -mm, no, that's too much trouble. So I love the reading, and I'm going to continue reading from this book in future podcasts, um, but I think that what I'm going to continue to do is heat my water with my 12-volt kettle, or if I have shore power, I'm going to use my much faster regular electric water kettle, which I didn't mention that I'm carrying because I'm actually not carrying at this point, um, but I, I'm torn. I'm considering popping it in. Um, and then you have boiling water, you put the tea bag or the loose tea in your cup and voila, it is tea and it is wonderful and you let it steep for however long you like. I'm a very quick steeper, I like it to just have the hint of flavor, but if I'm doing herbal tea, then you need to let it steep longer because then you get the benefits of whatever those herbs are that you are trying to benefit from. So next I'm going to read about how to make coffee, and that will be the end of this podcast for today. So take a good-sized cupful of ground coffee and pour into a quart of boiling water with the white of an egg and the crushed shell. Stir well together, adding a half cupful of cold water to clear. 
Put into the coffee boiler and boil for about a quarter of an hour. After standing for a little to settle, pour into your coffee pot, which should be well scalded, and send to the table. The coffee should be stirred as it boils. To, <laughs> to make café au lait, take a pint each of hot made coffee and boiling milk. Strain through thin muslin into a coffee pot to get rid of the grounds and serve hot. <laughs> this will also not be something I will be making. Um, but I thought it was interesting because what they're actually describing there is egg coffee. And I've always known it as Swedish egg coffee. And that um, originally, supposedly, was something that came from Sweden and came to America en route from Sweden in the late 1800s. It became a tradition for Lutheran church gatherings of Scandinavian Americans in the Midwest and was dubbed church basement coffee. <laughs> so if you've never heard of church basement coffee, um, then now you know, it's egg coffee. Or if you had heard of church basement coffee, but you didn't know what it was, now you know, it is egg coffee. And um, apparently in this family cookbook, it was the recommended way to make coffee. So um, it is adds the um, coffee to the grounds before brewing the coffee. You add the egg in, you create a potting soil-like mixture with all of that. And some diehard egg coffee lovers use the crushed eggshell as well, but that is optional. So um, I got this extra information about egg coffee from spruceeats.com, and it is their egg coffee article. So uh, we are just past 30 three minutes and um, I'm trying to keep it close to the half hour mark as always and I think I do pretty well but a little over won't kill us. So um, I thank you for coming back after my month-long absence and I do apologize once again but I think that um, my reasoning can definitely be excused. So I look forward to coming back again next week with episode 9 and getting back into the full swing of things as we kick off this summer travel season. And I'm hoping to take a new trip coming up in the next few weeks, and um, I will perhaps be doing the podcast from the road. So uh, stay tuned and come back and join me. And you know, if you would, please do like my podcast, download my podcast, share my podcast. I really would like it to grow. I would like to reach more people who are interested in food information on the road, and I would enjoy um, having it become more visible. I do not have it yet listed on Apple Podcasts, and that's simply because of the technical aspect of getting it there. I have done the submission, but um, there is a technical issue with logging in and actually getting it to complete the process. And I have had Apple Podcast uh, customer service on the line with me more than once, and we have yet to get this to, um, be, to go live on Apple Podcasts. I do have it now on Pandora, and I do have it now on a couple of other podcasting platforms. So I will be hoping to continue to expand it and um, <laughs> learning more of the technical aspects along the way. Um, as always, also, if you'd like to join me in the Facebook group, Van Life Pantry dash Nomadic Pantry, um, we are a growing group and there is a growing body of good information there. 
um, a lot of good back and forth. And um, it's even been suggested that we might do a big gathering next summer somewhere, somewhere near the middle of the United States. And um, I don't know if that will actually happen or if we can get that together in a 12-month period and make something come to fruition, but uh, I am kicking it around. So we might have, you know, a first annual uh, Van Life Pantry gathering in 2022, sometime probably mid-July, August, maybe even into September. Um, That just depends on the timing and and what the group wants to do and how much help I get and um, how many uh, maybe trade show kinds of sponsors or uh, participants I might find who are interested. So once again, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you are enjoying the kickoff to summer. I hope that you are eating well, and I hope to see you on down the road.